Hey, this is Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. Welcome back. Welcome back. As you just heard, we are MMA FanCast. My name is Jim Mooney. My podcast partner is Luke Payson. Today is going to be another episode of what we just started, the third in the series. It is called the Green Corner Series, and it features amateur fighters and early stage pro fighters. On this particular episode, we're going to be talking with Cheyenne Hall. She's an amateur fighter with a record of one and one. She trains at the Morgantown location for Ground Zero Fighting Systems, and she will be on the 247 Fighting Championships card, Brawl in the Berg, which occurs July 27th at Princecape Arena, which is about 20-25 minutes southwest of Pittsburgh. We're glad you're with us and eager to get the conversation started. Cheyenne, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, Luke has been, as we talked off air, he's been chomping at the bit. He's got a lot of good podcast questions. We had to kind of lay down the law on him and um, and ask him to hold off. So we're not going to do that any longer. Luke, are you ready to go, buddy? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm ready. I'm ready for questions, Cheyenne. I can't wait. <laughs> All right, Cheyenne. So here's my so here's my first question for you. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much uh, for being available. It's getting it's getting downtime, close to the fight. Um, what's it What's it like for you going into your third fight? As far as having it's even experience, you know, one win, one loss. Uh, what's it like going into what would be your rubber match fight? Well, I definitely want to win this one. Um, having a winning record is definitely on the on the agenda for this. Um, I am super competitive, so I don't like being one and one much. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Well, uh, understandable. Is there? Has there been? Do you feel like you're still in the learning curve? I mean, amateur. One of the reasons why we do this green corner is because part of really the only reason why amateur even exists is to help people learn and kind of figure out how to get better. It's not you're not at the best you are. So even though you're competitive, and obviously it's frustrating to have that loss, uh, what's the learning process been like since your last fight till now in the prep? Oh, yeah, I don't. Um, I definitely think I'm still in the learning curve process. I mean, I don't think I'll ever stop learning in this sport. Everything changes all the time. That's one of the reasons I really like it. But yeah, I think that I'm still getting stuff together at the amateur level. Um, there was a lot of clinch stuff in my last MMA fight that um, I would like to be able to work out of that more so with this one. Um, just a lot of things that we've been working on to to change who I am as a fighter from there to now. We went back and like right. we watched that one, and we my coaches have like looked at how I've been training, and we've just changed a bunch of my game really from that fight to this fight. It's great when you hear a fighter be coachable, and obviously, particularly when you're in the beginning stages, you have to be coachable. And when you say your coach has changed a lot of your game, that's the exciting part. 
of MMA, I think that a lot of people don't really get until you either train it or watch it a lot because even at the high level, we've been interviewing some fighters at the pro level that are pretty high ranked nationally and they still have to be willing to grow because the sport is never going to let somebody just stay um, on what used to work. And so there's always a progression um, without giving anything away because obviously it's, you know, there's a lot that goes on in MMA gyms. What's something that has been a shift in the training focus? Has it been more like what you were saying, working out of clinch has been more distance striking has been more grappling. Like what, what's been a, like a focus on your camp, this, this camp. So for my last camp, I did a kickboxing fight in between the two and we've focused on a lot of striking for that one. And this camp, I've kind of gone back to, to grappling a lot more. So we basically only worked on striking for a couple of months there just because I was taking that kickboxing fight. But um, after that, we really incorporated more grappling since I had a little bit of catch up to do from taking some time off from it. That's probably the biggest change. Sure. And what was that like, taking a break from MMA focus and going to pure kickboxing? What was the takeaways, both pros and cons of doing that? That's pretty fun. Um, kickboxing, Muay Thai is the first thing that I really got into that I loved. And like, I was like, oh, I want to do this for the foreseeable future. This is great. Going back to like just only doing striking was really fun because for a while I was only with jiu-jitsu matches. And I got a lot better at that. And I feel like my striking kind of struggled. But um, my striking got a lot better in that last camp. And taking a Muay Thai fight was fun. It was really fun. <laughs> I would do it again yeah. if I couldn't find another MMA matchup. Um, that was kind of what we were running into. It was like it was hard to find a matchup again like we were talking about earlier. And uh, we found one in kickboxing. Yeah. Like, let's do it. Yeah, and let's bring the audience in on our conversation before uh, we started recording. And that was me just talking about how when I used to run a gym, um, I had a lot of female – athletes. I think it's exciting to see females uh, compete in any uh, sport, no matter what it is. You know, right now in the sports political uh, realm, there's the whole women's soccer win winning the, uh, the cup and, and kind of struggling with not only equal pay, but I'd say also equal attention and equal kind of fandom. I mean, the uh, women's NBA is not nearly as well watched. And, you know, so it, it, to be a, a women's athlete in any sport, is, uh, is challenging. And then in fighting, the real challenge is getting opponents. You know, you, you might say in some of those other sports, the, the challenge is just getting recognition or, you know, those type of things. But in MMA and fighting, it's, uh, it's hard to get opponents. So um, when did you first start training uh, the Muay Thai slash kickboxing, or I'm sorry, slash MMA? Um, and when did you first want to take a fight? And how long has it been uh, between some of your fights. We were talking about how there's a lot of gaps because it's hard to find opponents. So talk a little bit about when you knew you wanted to take your first MMA fight and what's that journey been like trying to get matched and trying to get opponents. Well, I started training at Ground Zero in, I think it was April of 2016. So it's been about three years now, a little bit over. And I knew I wanted to take a fight probably a year after that or so, 2017. And then it was like another six months of me hyping myself up to like, okay, you could do this. <laughs> so then we really started looking for fights. I guess it was probably two Decembers ago. So it was 2017, December. Um, and then I took a f my first fight in March of last year. And the, the girl missed weight. She came, she came from Michigan. Um, she came all the way there. We all did our physical, our blood work, everything was done. We'd like, all we had left to do was weigh in and do the face-off picture. And she weighed in like 10 pounds over and they wouldn't, so the commission wouldn't approve the matchup just because the, the weigh-ins were, or, I mean, I guess that was more than they thought was appropriate. 
even if my team still said we wanted to take the fight. So that was the first fight experience that I had. And um, after that, it took me, well, actually, right after that, I had another one lined up. Um, somebody else needed an opponent in Kentucky, but I broke my arm. So <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get to do that one. But I mean, after that, it took probably three months to find an opponent while I was healing and in the time frame that it would allow me to have a, a camp before my arm was, was before I could spar and stuff again. So um, it's just, it's very difficult to find opponents it, like in your weight class. It's very difficult to find um, opponents that are going to like show up and do it. You, and then, I mean, I think it's a lot harder for females to find, find matchups just because there aren't as many women in the sport right now. Well, let's go back, yeah, absolutely. back a little bit um, before 2016. What what was the the draw for you into um, a possible MMA career? You're, you're a couple of fights in. What was it that in your head said, "Hey, I want to do this," and then you entered Ground Zero in April 2016? Um, so I'd always wanted to kind of learn just some self defense stuff. Just as a woman, um, I feel like that's very important for every woman to know a little bit of. But then I was about to graduate from pharmacy school, and it was my year of rotations that year. And my dad had said something to me over Christmas break and he was, we were watching a UFC together and he was like, I really think you could do this. He's like, I think that you'd be pretty good at that. Why don't you like give it a try? And I was like, oh, you're crazy. And he was like, you'd have to start now because, you know, like you're a little bit behind. I've done sports my whole life, but I've never done much combat sports except Taekwondo. So um, he's like, you have to start now. And I was like, oh, you're crazy. But then I got closer to graduation and I was like, I've been working towards this huge goal for seven years of my life. And I was like, oh man, what do I do now? Like, this is kind of nuts. I have nothing else. I was like, oh no, I don't have like an end game. So I was like, let's start this martial arts thing and see how I like it. So I ended up doing that. I walked into Ground Zero. That was nerve wracking. Um, I took my first, I did my first jujitsu competition a year later. I did my first jujitsu tournament. And then after that, it was just like, oh, I want to do this forever. <laughs> I was like, oh, I love this. This is fun. So I didn't see anything on Tapology. And we ask all the fighters this. If, if they've got one and if they do, how, the, how it came to be. you have a nickname? No. No? <laughs> no. Some of my patients will come in and, like, try to give me cute nicknames, and they've got some good ones, but none that I'm comfortable putting on a T-shirt yet. <laughs> not, not looking forward to adding one to your bio just yet. Nah, I don't know. Okay, and then uh, the other thing was, oh, you mentioned uh, Taekwondo. So was that something that, uh, that you did – um, for a while and you moved up through their the ranking systems or is it something you did as a youngster and grew out of it kind of like a lot of kids do they try baseball soccer hockey and, and they move on to something else yeah I did that in, in college um, I did it for probably two years or so I think I got through three belts before I quit doing taekwondo it was fun um, it was fun but then I just I got into pharmacy school and it was too much on my plate there yeah as a kid I didn't do any of that stuff as a kid it was I, we were a ball family, so we did baseball, softball, uh, volleyball, basketball, track, and then I was a competitive gymnast for a little bit. And what about a uh, walkout song? That's always big for, like, for my wife. She <laughs> she watches for a couple reasons. Um, one is the walkout song because she wants to know, is this something that she can start using for her workouts? Sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'll shazam them at fights. I'll be sitting there like, that's a good one. Uh, that's that's what she does, yeah. And if she doesn't know the song, then she asks our daughter. You know, our daughter's fourteen years old, so and she's real hip to to all the good songs that are out there now. 
<laughs> I haven't picked mine yet, but um, I put it out there to my Instagram followers the other day because I always use like the same old Tupac songs, like <laughs> just the same ones that I've been listening to since I was 15. And so uh, a couple people have sent me some good ones that I'm going to see. My DJ friend is going to try to make an edited version of a couple for me. I'm going to pick from those. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So I haven't chosen one yet. So there's a, there's a big change in, uh, in what Ryan is doing. Ryan Middleton of 247 Fighting Championships. What he's doing for this coming fight. And I, I think as a fighter, you're going to like it. It really puts the spotlight and the focus on the fighters as they're coming in. It's, it's a big, big production and it's definitely going to go over well for the fans. So um, you're going to want to pick a good walkout song because... <laughs> No pressure, but <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. That's cool. Okay. So um, when you're when you're talking about MMA, and still, I was just actually having this conversation with somebody last night who privately they heard me talking about my podcast. Or whatever. They took me aside and they said, um, "I don't want to sound stupid, but what does MMA stand for?" Cool. And then I had to explain, you know, what it, what it stands for, and try to explain why there's the sport of MMA that's really a combination of some traditions. If you talk about some of the Asian um, Oriental traditions, I've gone back thousands of years and, and even, uh, you know, Greco Roman wrestling thousands of years, um, the original Olympics and all that. So uh, when you think about MMA, uh, what, what do you like about the mix of variety of uh, disciplines as opposed to, or compare it to doing pure Muay Thai or pure BJJ, and if you had your, your, you know, your dream, would you want to be at the top of your level in pure Muay Thai, pure BJJ, or the, the combination of the sports, which is MMA? That's a good question. Um, so at the beginning of my martial arts career, I would have definitely said Muay Thai. I was all Muay Thai. And I, I love jiu-jitsu too, but it was like a slower progression of loving jiu-jitsu because ju the jiu-jitsu learning curve, I feel like, is so much steeper than the, the Muay Thai one because if you're kind of athletic, you can go in there and punch and kick some stuff and like not look absolutely terrible. But in jiu-jitsu, you're like, what am I doing for like eight months before you even ever can tap anybody relative, like <laughs> relatively legitimately? Um, so I would have said that then. But now I definitely think that I would like to just only pursue MMA. I mean, I'll do some other stuff on the side for fun, but the combination of both of those martial arts together, I mean, all of the martial arts together, that is um, it's more realistic when it comes to mimicking like a real fight. Like, could I really beat this person, you know what I mean, if, like, if they can't kick me? You know, if we take it, kicking and punching out and, like, me and this person are fighting, like, yeah, I can beat them there, but what if it was, I mean, if it was all mixed together, you can't really say that you're a better fighter because you're not using all of your tools. So I think that the best part about MMA is that you can use everything. And that's exciting. That's, and I'm always going to be bad at something. I'm always going to have something I have to work on because you can't be perfect at all those things. And that leads me to the question about mindset. I did an interview uh, a couple of years back with a, with a guy that was actually some type of engineer. I think it was like a molecular. It was, it was some very high level science stuff that I don't understand. Um, but you're, you're obviously a pharmacist and, and pharmacists have to deal with a lot of detail um, science and, you know, a, a really analytical mind with a lot of uh, facts and, you know, information and all that stuff. Although that's as much as I know about being a pharmacist, but do you think that, that mindset of having to compartmentalize and think about a lot of different things and, and, and kind of keep a running list in your mind helps you as an MMA fighter? And if so, and if so, how? 
Uh, sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> I can let it get a little bit overwhelming because you do have to think about so much stuff. And for my first, specifically for my first fight, I was like, I'm never going to be ready for this. Like, I will never, because, you, you know, you go into a test or something and you've studied for all the things you think is going to be on the test. And you're like, okay, I'm prepared for this. I'm going to go in and crush this. It's going to be awesome. But then you go into, like, fighting, you go, you're walking into a cage and you're like, oh, man, I don't even know how to defend, like, a, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, especially for your first one. So, um, yeah, being able to, I don't know. I don't know if that helps me or hurts me sometimes. <laughs> but it does help um, in my training, I think. I can, especially with the time management skills I gained from all that, um, it helps me to be able to be like, okay, today we're going to go in and all we're going to do is train striking. And tomorrow we're going to go in and we're going to work takedowns for an hour and that's it. You know, it helps me with my trip, like planning of my training, if that makes sense. Well, and Shay, and you bring up something that is a little different if people kind of don't know how training goes. Um, MMA training is very much i used to joke uh because you don't think of mma fighters but mma training is a lot like a spreadsheet right i mean most coaches have spreadsheets you as a fighter you're pretty analytical you might have spreadsheets right because there's so much like boxing and and, and that, that's a great and there's still things you'll work in boxing if you're only using the two weapons of boxing just like in wrestling however at the end of the day you're you're gonna box you know and yeah. um the, the challenge with MMA is feeling that balance. You've already brilliantly pointed out the fact that since you did a lot of the, getting ready for the kickboxing Muay Thai fight, you kind of focused on another area or discipline with the, with the grappling and the submissions. And I think it, a lot of MMA fighters and their coaches, the challenge is with what's good enough, you know, because you can kind of know um, in boxing, okay, you, you've got your weapons down, you're kind of good. I mean, defense weapons, you're good, right? Um, and there's wrestlers that go massively, majorly undefeated for, for hundreds of wrestling matches. But in MMA, and this is what's interesting, I, I bring this up, is there's so many ways to win in MMA, MMA, but there's also a lot of ways to lose. And if you think about Habib in the UFC, he's not even at 30 fights. And that's like one of the greatest MMA records there's ever been. Whereas in boxing, people get to 25 or 30 fights and they're, they're not even, you don't even know if they're good yet. And so I guess what I would say is what, and this is probably an interestingly dumb question, but what is the most frustrating slash hardest part of mixing all those um, disciplines together when you're in the cage or in uh, practice? I'm not saying like what's hard for you as far as, a challenge, but what, what can be frustrating um, when, when you're not just doing one, uh, one style? Probably just finding time to work on all of the things okay. together, I would yeah. say. Just because I don't know who to talk to about adding more hours to the day, but if you guys know, let <laughs> me know. Um, <laughs> especially with working a full-time job, it's like, um, like some of the days I'm working a 12-hour shift and I've got two hours in the morning to play with, but that's it. And then uh, but that gives me, that allows me to have more days off. So those days are, I always joke about it being like a time Tetris. So like I'm taking like this long break and trying to make it fit between these two other little breaks so that that like area can be gone. And then <laughs> I just like, I time Tetris my whole day on my days off. And um, I mean, I've gotten pretty good at that, but it's definitely difficult to try to find the time to go through all the things that you think you want to be ready for when the fight's coming up, especially as an amateur, because I mean, we're not getting paid for this yet. Like we've still got to have jobs. We've still got to be providing for ourselves somehow so yeah and that's uh, as, as frustrating as that can be when you talk about time management and you, br you brought that up very well it's also the, the one thing that you can encourage yourself with as competitive as you are with like what you already mentioned um having that loss your 
it, it, there is no perfect world when you're an amateur. You know, you're not you're not doing this full time. It's not like you could say, oh, I, I, I trained all the hours I absolutely wanted. I mean, no matter what you do in the cage, good or not great, you're you're limited to what you kind of have to do in your life. And I think I think that's actually beneficial in in the amateur mindset, because as a coach um, that, that helps them understand that, like when you're in the cage, you have to make it work. Right. And that that's part of. MMA, even at the professional level, but the amateur level, yeah, you might not have worked as much as you wanted to on this or that, but how do you make the fight work for you? And so that's actually something we, we talk a lot about fighters, you know, making mid fight um, switches or game planning changes. And so what's it like? You've now had uh, two MMA fights and obviously a Muay Thai fight. What's it like going into the corner? We talk a lot about this. What are the title of this show is Green Corner. What's it like going in the corner between rounds? And is it is it something like, what's that like for you? Is it something that you look forward to? Hey, if I can get out of this round, get to my corners, they'll help me. Or is it something that you're kind of like, I just want to get back to the fight? What's the corner experience like for you? That is the time whenever I hear the most, probably, um, during the fight. Unless I'm in a bad spot, I'm kind of zoned in. I've always kind of been like that in athletics. Um, you know, if, if I'm in a bad spot, then I'm kind of listening for like maybe they, my coaches can see something that I can't see from my vantage point. But um, the, when I'm in the corner, it's like that's the time for them to like tell me, hey, you're doing this wrong. You're doing this right. And um, then I'm, I'm ready to get back out there. I mean, you know, it's a, it's like a it's a perfect little time time manager. It's a perfectly like, little like one minute there with them. But um, that's probably the time that like their coaching means the most in the fight to me just because there's not anything going on. And like, that's when I can really listen and adjust my game. Absolutely. And, and a part of MMA that is really interesting in the corner, um, having been in corners as well as also uh, now, you know, being around MMA from this perspective, I hear so many fighters talk about what we were, we were just interviewing somebody that's coached by Mike Wilkins. And it turns out if you don't know who that guy is, he's an MMA fighter pro out of Pittsburgh. And it turns out that if you don't do what he tells you to do as a fighter, he turns his chair, his stool around and doesn't watch you for the rest of the round, which seems a little intense. You know, I got to talk to Mike about that, but um, how easy is it for, how easy is it for you in MMA to get zoned in and kind of forget one of the tools or one of the uh, disciplines of MMA? Because uh, you'll see this sometimes after an MMA fight where fighters say, you know, I wish I would have thrown more of this or done more of this, but it's like they get pulled in to a fight that they don't necessarily want to fight, but then your brain just goes into make this work mode. And I've seen a lot of fighters in MMA in the corner, the, the corner men or coaches or corner women having to remind them of a different skill. So do you ever kind of get in the MMA fight and kind of forget one of your weapons or one of your skills? I mean, yeah, you can, you, it, that's definitely easy to do because there's, I mean, there's so much going on around you. And then like, if, especially if they come out and that fighter is not what you expected them to be, um, it, it's easy to get sucked into thinking like, oh, just like your lizard brain moves, the ones that you always go to and sparring. Um, but I, I haven't had too much of a problem with that just because we drill so much. And I feel like the more that we drill something, the more in the back of my mind it is, I don't even have to think about it. It's just, I just, I'm doing it before I'm thinking about it which is good. Um, and at the same time, every now and then I can pull something out that I haven't done in like six months. And I'm like, where did that even come from? So I guess it kind of goes both ways a little bit, at least for me. Um, yeah, I can get sucked into that. But then I also, every now and then I'll pull out something that we haven't done in a year. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and going back to what you had said um, about, you know, the struggle in getting opponents, uh, your opponent for this fight, uh, July 27th, is coming from Michigan. And uh, what's that like knowing that either you need to have somebody come all the way from Michigan? Does that raise the stakes to you or is it to you kind of the same deal as long as you have an opponent? All the same thing, as long as I got somebody in there with me, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter yeah, where they come from. She's uh, she's O and O, so we don't really know much about this girl, but right. I'm just happy to have somebody that took it. <laughs> somebody to get it well, there. Well, I think I think we can definitely give a shout out to Ryan Middleton and and his matchmaker from Two Four Seven getting you know getting in contact with uh, the gym in Michigan and getting somebody out and and then that's well, I guess I'll end on this and then kick it back to Jim for the wrap up is um, what's so interesting about somebody making their debut. And obviously you made your debut and now you're a fighter debut fighter is they're never going to really know what MMA is like at that level, even if they sparred until it's like actually in front of them. And so for you, when you went into your first fight, what, what was, what was kind of the, the main takeaway you took from your debut fight? Um, the debut fight is always, it's a really interesting experience just in the fact that like you can spar hard with your friends in the gym all you want to but when you get in there that girl wants to hurt you <laughs> the first time you get hit in the face when someone's trying to like intentionally put you down you're like oh man we're fighting fighting today okay <laughs> all right <laughs> so that i'll never ever forget that moment i'll never forget that first that first hit and i was like oh man this is fun <laughs> So um, yeah, it's a whole different ball game. Even you, I mean, even if you spar hard, you know your training partners aren't in there to like beat you up. You know they're they're in there to make you better. But like when you get into your first fight, like that person is there to beat you up. They're going. That's what they're doing. So that's the difference, really. And then I remember just taking away from it. Like I remember I was so excited after that fight because I was like, that was one of the, the most fun thing I've ever done. I'm ready to do it again tomorrow. Um, and that was probably when I figured out I was gonna love the sport. I guess. <laughs> Well, something you said, you said it's a whole different ball game. Luke and I never talked about this specifically as a topic on our podcast, but we talked about it in ways that I, I know that he agrees with me, and that is women's MMA right now is changing much more rapidly than, than the men's um, fight game is. And we talked about how, in my opinion anyways, that it's like this is the second or the second era. The first era was with Ronda Rousey and how she pretty much dominated anybody that you know stood across the ring from her. And she was heavy jujitsu and judo, and nobody could really break through that until Holly Holm came along. And that was a striking game and a, a dynamic kickboxing game to go along with that. You know, she was she was able to use her length and keep her at a distance and and Rousey couldn't figure that out and that really exposed her so then we jump forward to what I call the second era of women's MMA and now you have Amanda Nunes um, who is dominant in her division and then you've also got Valentina Shevchenko and both of them what they have in common is a very strong and what I see as unmatched level of striking. Um, Shevchenko is probably more dominant in the in the kicking game, although, you know, we just saw Amanda Nunes knock out Holly Holm with a kick. So 
you know, with that said, you look at that and you mention how it's tough for you to get opponents. So you have somebody that you want across the ring from you to be evenly matched because you want to test your skills and you want to improve. So I know that's difficult at this level of the game for you. Have you had a conversation with your coaches or anybody that you're surrounded with in, in the MMA community where you have come up with either it's a timetable where you want to go pro, is it a set number of fights, or is it maybe a ranking system um, inside the gym with a belt? What is it uh, that, that you have set when you want to go pro? We haven't really talked about like a set number of fights because it just kind of depends on um, like who, who my opponent is, you know, who I end up getting matched with. If I feel like I should really challenge myself, as you mentioned. Um, and also the, the rule set in PA amateur, I would like to get a couple fights without chin pads. My, my Virginia fight was, it was full MMA rules. So that was pretty fun. Um, but my other, this coming up fight and then my very first one were like shin pads, no ground and pound of the face. And then and I think no head kicks some other rules, but it just makes it hard to like envision yourself in with pro rules, like jumping right up there with only like a few fights. So I'd like to get a few after that. Um, as far as belt rank, I'd like to be a purple belt. Um, I'm a blue belt right now before I turn pro. So it kind of is just going to depend on a few different variables at this point. It's on the horizon somewhere. <laughs> you mentioned that there are definite uh, rule differences in PA versus other uh, state athletic commissions in in PA, there's basically three levels. There's um, amateurs, advanced amateurs, and then pros. And until you get to advanced amateurs, you're very limited. No ground and pound that we would call ground and pound, which means once you go to the ground, it's um, clavicle and below um, for the strikes. So when when you fought, it was last year in Pittsburgh, I believe, um, you had to fight under Pennsylvania's amateur rules and then you fought elsewhere you fought outside of pa where those rules weren't as restrictive coming back now to restricted rules you know do you see that there's going to be a point in time where you may fall back to what you what you've been doing i would i would think in the gym and what your most recent experience was in the ring where you don't have that restrictions that pa is going to set on you um july 27th yeah, no, we've um, we've just had to change a bunch about the, the things that we've been drilling and the things we've been working on. I did, I worked on a lot of elbow stuff for Virginia because I love elbows and because we were allowed to do them. So it was really exciting. Um, actually, I had a teammate on the same card. So we had a lot of like drills set up to do that. Um, so I've had to change just some of the things that we've been drilling. And then going, I've been going and cross training with other gyms the past couple of weeks too. And it's like, I've been like rolling with gloves on, but then, or like, I mean, even even doing regular MMA rounds with people, I've been trying to keep it just to like ground and pound only to the body. I'm not been, I'm, I'm not even been pretending like I can punch people in their face for the last three months ish. So, yeah, so I've been trying to just train like the rule set is allowing me to be for this one, which I think about okay. right. One of the things that uh, that we always want to do on every podcast is make sure that that uh, the fans that listen to our show and the fans that follow you, um, the fighter that they, they know that you're more than just a fighter. And when you walk into that cage, the door shuts and it's just you. But, you know, all the time before that, there is way more than just you. You've got a big team behind you. And I mean, we want to give you a chance to mention anybody that has been 
important to you and getting you to this point in your career? I said this one time before. I was like, uh, yeah, I, I go in there and I'm technically alone after they close that cage door, but I'm not really, you know, like my whole team's there because we've been drilling for weeks and weeks. So they're in there. My coaches are in there because they've been putting time into me. My family's in there because they've been supporting me. And my mom has even made me weird food when I couldn't eat at Christmas time. And because <laughs> I was getting weight. Um, so yeah, I'm just really thankful for all those people. I have a great support system, even if they don't understand it. You know, not, not all of them do. So um, just want to thank them. Thank God for my abilities. And I don't know. I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky with the team and the family I have. Well, it was definitely a pleasure talking to you. It's, you know, we know that you've got a lot going on. You've got, you know, a full-time job. Then you've got to somehow find time in the gym to hone your skills and work on the things that you feel are important to get you to the next level. And you've got a big test coming up July 27th. So for myself and Luke Payson, we want to say thank you very much. Uh, you can catch Cheyenne July 27th at Princecape Arena. That is going to be for Brawl in the Berg. 247 Fighting Championships is putting that on. And as we always say at the end of every podcast, that's it for Pitt. And thanks for listening to MMA FanCast.